have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. We read in verses 13 and 14. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Let's look to the Lord briefly in prayer. Our dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ who have gathered out today. Lord, we pray you'd be with us in the remainder of this service, that we'd take your word to our hearts and apply it to our lives, that you'd help us to love you as we should and to love our neighbors and love each other as we should. We pray, Lord, that as we worship and adore you, that you would just be with us, be in our presence and in our midst. The words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Christ's name, amen. These verses in Exodus aren't quite the only verses we're going to use this morning. It's to establish what God said his name was, what he was to be called. And it's I am, or I am that I am. Uh, footnote in my Bible says, or it could be translated, I will be what I will be. And God we don't understand a lot about it. And there's much more about God we don't understand than we will ever understand in this life. But the big word is autonomy. God is autonomous. He isn't dependent on his existence for anything. For our existence, we depend on each other. We depend on having food to eat. We depend on having air to breathe. We depend on not being in... Mount Everest and having an earthquake shake Nepal and then the mountain starts to fall to pieces or in a city that human life is fragile. God's life isn't fragile. God doesn't depend on us. We depend on God. And that's basically what the I am. And this morning I'm going to Talk about Jesus. And I'm going to show you places throughout Scripture where Jesus used the phrase, I am. He used it so much that time and time again, the Jewish leaders of his day understood exactly what he was saying, and they wanted to kill him because he was saying, I am. If you look with me, now to John chapter 
4, 25 through 26. I'm going to be using John and Revelation a lot this morning. Some months ago, I started to preach this sermon, but I sort of got stuck on Jesus' interaction with a Samaritan woman. In John 4, 25 and 26, Jesus is talking to her. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Here Jesus, from meeting at the Samaritan woman, claimed to be the Messiah. He said he was the Messiah. When she was saying, we're waiting on him to come, he said, here I am, so to speak. He had told her everything she had ever done according to her. And she went back and told everybody and her neighbors. And she must have had quite a few neighbors because about half the town gathered out to meet Jesus then. The next place in John we see Jesus in six, chapter 6 verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. And Jesus declared himself to be the bread of life after he had fed the 5,000. And some of them followed him to the other side to see when they found out where he was. And he told them they followed him not because... of the signs and works of God he had done in their midst, but because they had ate bread and they wanted more of it. It must have been good tasting bread. And he told them rather they should seek the bread of life, which he says I am. Not me, but Jesus the I am. And with all the signs and wonders he had done, even after this, well, if you show us signs, and, and he had just done it, it's like people had blinders on. And here's the Son of God, the incarnate Messiah, walking in their midst, telling them who he is. They just can't, or they refuse to see it. In John. Chapter 8, verse 23, and speaking to the Jews, but you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. And I'm sure some of them said, well, we know Joseph the carpenter, and we know Mary his mother, but he was talking about before he was born where he was. And in this he's making further claims of his connection with the Father. Over in the next chapter, verse 5, chapter 9, 5.
Jesus says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And this he said after they brought a blind man to him. And he picked up some mud and mixed it with spittle and put on the man's eyes and told him to go wash it off in the pool of Siloam, I think it says. After that, he could see. They had asked him the question beforehand, was he born, was he blind because of his sins or his parents' sins? And Jesus said, he's blind for the glory of God. And the glory of God was shown when he was healed. And others asked who had healed him, and he says, once I was blind, now I can see. In John chapter 10, verses 7 through 9, Jesus therefore said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. And then down in verse 11, the same chapter, I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus has used lots of farm or illustrations from everyday life, and he compared himself first to a door or a gate that the sheep went in and out of. And the only way to eternal life is through that door of Jesus Christ. And you go in through Him, you accept Christ as your Savior, you become part of the fold, so to speak. And the Good Shepherd that goes out of His way, even when He has 99 sheep there and there's one missing, He's the Good Shepherd that goes and seeks that one lost sheep. So, Times people go astray, times things happen and they sort of lose their way. But lots of times all they have to do is turn around or just look up and the shepherd's right there, bring them back in because he is the good shepherd. In verse 36, chapter 10, same chapter. What about the one whom the Father set apart at his very own sent into the world? Why do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said I am God's son. And he claims to be God's son at that point. And blasphemy was a serious word among the Jews. This was the capital offense that they...
supposedly worshiped God and didn't recognize him when he was in their midst. Over in chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I think I'm in the wrong chapter. (laughs) Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. This part, Jesus said at a tragic time, sort of, for Mary and Martha, and he was speaking to Mary, I believe, at the time. And her brother Lazarus had passed away. And indeed, if you read the whole story of it, you'll see Jesus tarried a certain length of time and got there after Lazarus had died. And he said this before he raised Lazarus from the dead. I remember one of my friends in grade school used a verse from this chapter every time we had to, back in the days when there was Bible in the classroom, and we had to quote a memory verse. And that was his verse, Jesus wept. <laughs> Shortest one there was, easy to remember, and he even... Did better than me because he remembered exactly where it was at. <laughs> to quote that too. So. In Jesus, we have God incarnate, which means what we couldn't do for ourselves, the letter of the law that we couldn't keep up to and one way the Jews of Jesus day tried to try to keep it was they just piled more laws on top of it so they'd stay further away from the edges of it I guess but this just made it that much harder Jesus did what we couldn't do. He lived that perfect life. as impossible for man. It was done because God's Son, Jesus, came and lived it and died for our sins. And through Him, we have eternal life. Through Him, He has power over life and death. And indeed, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And this really bothered the Jews because here's a man that was been dead and he was walking around by the power of Jesus. And they were more incited to, to kill him. The next verses I'd like for you to look at is in John 13, 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, 
for that is what I am. And that's, you could say, teacher and Lord, master and Lord, rabbi and Lord. And he said this at the time when he had had a discussion with Peter and he had took off his top part of his garment and got down with a towel and basin to wash the disciples' feet. And he showed that, yes, he was accepted being the highest among the one among them. But this was a task in the washing of the disciples' feet that usually the lowliest servant in a household had to do. Because this was a day when in a territory where people wore sandals and walked on dusty streets, in the same streets that animals walked down, and you can imagine all the stuff that was in the street, not just dirt. And the Lord gets down and washes the stinky, dirty feet of His disciples. And He sets this as an example of His love for them and the love we're supposed to have for our fellow Christians. That if the Master has done this, how much more should the servant? So, what will you do for your fellow Christians? What will you do for those around you that need? You will love them enough that the lowliest task is an honor because you're following the example of Jesus. The next verses I'd like to bring to you are John 15. Five or one. It's in here several places. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. And in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Our life as Christians, our life if we want to do anything and bear fruit for Christ, is in Him. We stray away from Him. We're like a dead limb, a dead branch, or a dead piece of vine, unproductive, fit only to be thrown into the fire. If we abide in Christ and He in us, then Christ can work through us. If Christ loves to be shown in the world today, it's through Christians. If people are to see Christ, it's through Christians. We are, so to speak, His hands and feet and legs, to a certain extent, His lips. If our neighbors are to know about Jesus, we're to tell them. In Revelation 1.8, 
Jesus says, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. I am, or I will be what I will be, the Almighty. And in verse 17, we see John saying, When I saw him, I fell at his feet through dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. And in verse 18, I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys to death and Hades. Alive forever and ever. The one that was dead. What was what he died for? He died for us. And in the closing verses of Revelation, chapter twenty two. Verse 12 and 13. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and end. I am the A and the Z to translate it to our alphabet. That's the Greek alphabet, Alpha and Omega. Just whether you want to do it by numbers or letters, by as plain as you can understand it, the first and the last. He's the beginning of creation. We go back to the first verses of John. We see he's there in the creation with the Father, the Word. And we see the Word made flesh and dwell among us. And then in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you the testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. He was before David, the root of David, and the offspring of David. Because through the kingly line, physically, through Mary's blood, and he, he was and we've got a church over on the corner, I think, of Idlewild and well not our church, but there is a church that I think is called Morning Star. And this could be where they got from. That is one of the names of Christ, or one of the names he sort of gives himself. And in verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon.
Oftentimes, I think we want to accept Christ as Savior. And He is our Savior. We also have to accept Him as Lord and as Master, Teacher of our lives. To what do we turn for instruction to our lives? This old book that has been worn by generations of Christians. And there's. And yes, we fall through on places, but the hope in them is Jesus. And. When asked what the greatest commandment was, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your soul and all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, he's loved us and let us love one another. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray you'd just bless us as we attempt to love you the way we should. In Jesus' name.